This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin with another story of Boston Blackie, a jewel thief and safecracker written by Jack Boyle, who certainly had the background to write stories involving criminals since he was one himself. Jack Boyle grew up in Chicago, Illinois, and while working as a newspaper reporter in San Francisco, he became an opium addict and was drawn into crime and jailed for writing bad checks. Later convicted of robbery, Boyle was serving time in San Quentin when he created the character of Boston Blackie, which became a detective in adaptations for films, radio, and television. First four stories appeared in the American magazine way back in 1914, with Boyle writing under the pen name number 6066. From 1917 to 1919, Boston Blackie stories appeared in the Red Book magazine, and from 1918, they were adapted for motion pictures. Actor Chester Morse was the best-known Blackie, playing the character in 14 Columbia Picture Films and in the 1944 NBC radio series. And while investigating mysteries, Blackie invariably encountered harebrained police inspector Faraday, played by Maurice Tarplin, who always solved the mystery, uh, much to Faraday's amazement. Initially, Friction surfaced in the relationship between Blackie and Faraday, but as the series continued, Faraday recognized Blackie's talent and, in fact, requested assistance. So, let's go back to 1946 for the episode entitled Stolen Car Ring. Your move, Harry. Okay, Bill. Let's see you get away from my king after this move. Think you got me, huh? Why not? This is why not. Why, Look you... I saw, Harry. This is only a checker game. Not the way you play it. Well, you still got a chance, king or no king. Yeah, maybe. If you don't make any more dumb moves, you have. I could answer that, but there's no use partners being sore at each other over a little game of... Just a minute... Bill Martin's garage. Oh, yeah? What kind? Okay, go buy it from the owner right away. What was that, Bill? Good news? Great. A car cracked up at Hanley Bridge just a little while ago. Oh, that's well. What make? 1942 Buick Convertible Coupe. 1942 Convertible Coupe, huh? Yeah, Buick. I'll send Tom out to steal one just like it. Now meet Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie, 
Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friends. Mary, this is Blackie. Yes, darling? Uh, thanks for the use of your car, Mary, but you don't have another one I can borrow while mine's in the garage, do you? Why? What's wrong with my car, Blackie? Uh, nothing much. I parked it out in front of the courthouse a few minutes ago. When I went back to get it, it was stolen. Stolen? Stolen, unless it's part homing pigeon and left for its garage by itself. Oh, dear. Well, don't worry about it, Mary. It's insured, wasn't it? Oh, yes. I'm not worried about that part of it. I'll probably get it back anyway. But this certainly spoils my trip. Well, no, it doesn't. My car will be fixed in a day or so. You can borrow that. Oh, thanks, Blackie. Could I? <laughs> it's the least I can do for you. Okay, now I feel better. Oh, oh, will you do me another favor, though? Sure. Remember the route you marked for me on that road map? Yes. Well, it was in my car, so I'll need another one. I'll pick one up today. Thanks, darling. Look, Mary, uh, I want to get the police on this right away. Better give me some identifying details about that car of yours. Oh, yeah, sure. What do you need to know? Oh, engine number and so forth. All I know now is that it's a 1942 Buick convertible. Carol. Hello, Faraday. Uh, goodbye, Blackie. I'll say goodbye in a minute, Inspector. First, I want you to do something for me. What is this? Be kind to Boston Blanky Week? That's next week. Right now, this is Do Something for Mary Wesley Hour. Mary Carr's been stolen. You come to me about a stolen car? Yes, I know stolen cars are out of your department, but I thought you could use your influence to get some fast action in finding it. You do have influence around here, don't you? I don't think so. At least not enough to keep you out of my office. Well, that's because I have a certain amount of influence myself. Oh, come on, Faraday. Be a sport. If you won't do this for me, do it for Mary. Oh, all right. As long as it's for her. What kind of a car is it? 1942 Buick Convertible. Engine number? Hmm, let me see. Uh, 2936741. Four, uh-huh. Anything else? Nothing of importance. The thieves can, can't get rid of. A pair of ladies' gloves, flashlight, the usual junk. But don't bother about those things. I won't. Oh, there's a slight dent and a rather long scratch on the right rear fender. Dent and scratch on rear fender. Right. Okay, Blanky. Uh, I'll do what I can. But I want you to understand something. I know what it is, Faraday. You aren't doing this for me or doing it for Mary. Well, I'm sure she appreciates it. How's it coming, Tom? Okay, Mr. Morton. Pete and I are putting the motor from the wrecked car into the stolen car right now. Lord, easy, Pete. Okay, Tom. Okay. Hey, I know this car. Where'd you pick it up? In front of the courthouse. It's a little while ago, Mr. Morton. Any trouble? Ah, uh, not a bit. Hold it, Pete. Okay. Engine's in place now. Now, a couple of minutes more. I have another job all done. Uh, thanks, Pete. You can go back upstairs now. I'll take it from here. Okay, Tom. You can call me if you need me. Yeah. I gotta laugh. Yeah, Mr. Morton? Why? Why? You know who this stolen car belongs to? Nah. To Mary Wesley. She parks it right here in my garage. Yeah? Well, I wouldn't know about that. 
I work down here in the basement most of the time. What are you griping about? This is where you do your best work. Got everything cleaned out of her car? Yeah. We'll get rid of everything. Don't worry. Good. Be sure you get rid of the motor out of Miss Wesley's car. We don't want that laying around. Don't worry, I said. Uh-oh. Somebody upstairs wants to get their car out. I guess Pete must be busy. Hold the hammer at time. Okay. I'm through anyway. Yeah? Mr. Morton? Yeah, Pete? A lady up here wants to see you. It's Miss Wesley. She wants to talk to you. Oh. Tell her I'm not here. Okay. No, wait. I'll send Tom up to talk to her. Okay. Hey, Tom. Yeah, Mr. Morton? The Wesley dame is upstairs. You go talk to her, will you? Talk to her? What'll I say? Nothing. Just hear what she has to say. Okay. You got the motor from the wrecked car in, so this Wesley gal's car will run? It's all set to travel, Mr. Morton. Okay, go up and see what the Wesley dame wants. Yeah. And if she wants me, I'm not here. Okay, boss. I'll remember. I'm smart that way. Hi, Pete. Where is this Miss Wesley? Over there by the gas pumps, Tom. Thanks. I'm Tom, the mechanic. You want something, Miss Wesley? Yes, I do. What she wants is a car. I can talk for myself, Blackie. Thank you. Tom, do you have a car I can rent? Mine's been stolen. Ah, that's too bad, miss, but we don't have a thing. Well, it was a nice try, Mary. Maybe my garage will let us have one. No, Blackie, we'll just wait till yours is ready. Sorry I can't help you, miss. Uh, Is that all you wanted? Yes, thanks. I hope you get your car back, miss. Thanks, so do I. Come on, Blackie. Let's hop in a cab and go down to my garage. Say, Pete. Yeah, Tom? Did you get that new grease gun from Barney's? No, not yet. You better run over there and get it right away. I'm going to need it. Okay, but who'll watch things up here? I'm through downstairs. I'll take over. Right. Be back in half an hour. Okay. I'm going downstairs to see the boss in a minute. You still down here, Mr. Morton? Sure. What did the Wesley name want, Tom? Oh, to rent a car. <laughs> Isn't that a hot one? With her own car right down here. Yeah. But let her try to claim this is hers now, with that new motor in it. Yeah, let her try. Here's your dough, Tom. Twenty-five bucks. Uh, look, Mr. Morton, I've been wanting to talk to you. Huh? This job's getting to be worth more than twenty-five bucks a car. Who thinks so? I do. I don't. I think I ought to get a hundred dollars a job from now on. Or maybe I might do some talking someplace. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'll start by taking a hundred for this one. It's not too much. You and your partner, Harry, make almost a thousand clear. Where's every Pete? Upstairs? I sent Pete to Barney's for a grease gun. Oh, uh... Don't get me off the hundred bucks. I want it. It's as simple as that, see? No, it isn't, Tom. Uh, it's as simple as this. Here's one for luck, Jim. Harry, this is Bill Morton. I got another car ready for you. The one you picked up today? 
Yeah, the engine from the wrecked car is in it. In good shape, too. We ought to get 900 to 1,000 for this one. Good. I'll send for it right away. Swell. And by the way, Harry, we'll need a new mechanic. No mechanic? Why? What's the matter with Tom? Tom? Oh, he don't work here anymore. Trace of my car at all, Blackie. Not a sign of it, Mary. If Faraday would have called me. <laughs> now relax and enjoy this country road. Oh, dear. I do hate to take your car when I go away. What'll you do for one? Well, whoever stole your car has been pretty successful in keeping it hidden for a whole day. Maybe I'll steal one, too. Oh, Blackie. <laughs> Don't worry, Mary. Blackie, look! At what? That car that just passed us, that's my car. It's a Buick convertible, all right. Sure it's yours? Yes, yes, yes. Look, the, the plates are different, but there's a dent and a scratch on the right rear fender. You're right, Mary, there is. Well, what do we do? Catch that guy and make him pull over. Oh, careful, Blackie. He may not want to play. This is going to happen so fast, he won't have time to play. Oh, watch it. Pull over there, you. Pull over. Blackie! Blackie, look out! Look out, nothing. I'm cutting him off. He's stopping now, brother. You Be stay careful. here, Mary. That driver may get tough about this. Blackie, Blackie, he's running away. This ought to stop him. Oh, Blackie, don't you kill him. I was just firing into the air, but it didn't stop him anyway. Oh, let him go, darling. All I want is my car, and I I have that now. Well, let's take a look at it to make sure. All right. Hey, it's my car, all right. Look, same upholstery inside and everything. It's amazing. We don't usually have this much luck. Well, it's all yours again, so hop in, drive back to town. What do you know? I, uh, I, I think I'd rather not, though. Why? Well, I don't know. But the man we caught driving it might still be around. Yeah, that's a good thought. Well, if it leaves your mind, I suggest you take my car and I'll drive yours. I get it, Blackie. <clears throat> Auto suggestion. <laughs> Yo. You speaking to me, officer? Yeah. Where'd you get the... Well, if it isn't Boston Blackie. And if it isn't Officer Smith. Don't tell me I went through a red light back there. Nope. Well, if I did, I'll stop on a green one to make up for it. You're sitting in a bad car to make jokes, Blackie. Oh, the car's all right. It's only my jokes that are bad. There's nothing wrong with the car, Blackie. Just what it was used for last night. Huh? What? 1942 Buick convertible with these license plates was seen out in the country at 9 o'clock last night. And the driver dumped a dead body out of it. Now back to Boston Blackie. A 1942 Buick convertible is wrecked, and Mary Wesley's car, also a 1942 Buick convertible, is stolen. The thieves buy the wrecked car, lift out its engine, and put it in Mary's car, thereby removing from Mary's car one of its surest means of identification, the engine number. Tom, the mechanic who switches the engines from the wrecked to the stolen cars, threatens to go to the police if he's not given more money. So Bill Morton, his boss, shoots and kills him. The next day, Blackie spots Mary's car and forces it to the curb. The driver flees, but Blackie drives Mary's car back to town where a policeman informs him that a dead body had been dumped from that car the night previous. 
As we return to our story, Blackie has been taken to Inspector Faraday's office. So you killed a guy, huh, Blackie? And stole a car, huh? And drove out in the country, huh? And dumped the body, huh? And you thought you could get away with it. <laughs> you forgot the last half, Faraday. Huh? All right, huh? Now, look, you. You came in here yesterday and asked me to find a stolen car field. Mary Wesley's car. That wasn't stolen, was it? You had it. I didn't have it, Faraday. Not until just now. I caught a guy driving it, forced him to the side of the road, and took the car away from him. A great story. Where's the driver you took the car away from? Well, he got away. Yeah, yeah. I was only interested in getting Mary's car back. Yeah. I wasn't interested in chasing... Inspector Faraday. Maryland's. I checked the motor numbers in that car Blackie was driving. And they were the engine numbers of Mary's car, right? No, Blackie. Wrong. They weren't. What? So, Blackie. You're driving a stolen car, huh? No, Faraday. So help me, that's Mary's car I'm driving. She identified it herself. Well, maybe she needs glasses. Well, she's been around you so long, uh, maybe she needs brains. Uh, uh, the telephone. Faraday speaking. Inspector Faraday, this is Callahan of the stolen car department. Don't bother me. Look, Inspector, you asked us to find a 1942 Buick convertible stolen from a Miss Mary Wesley. Well? We just got a call from Leonard Wells that somebody stole a car from him about an hour ago. And it was a 1942 Buick convertible. I know the answer to that one, Callahan. I've got the guy who lifted it. I'll handle this. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot. Mikey, what's the matter with you? The car you're driving belongs to a Leonard Wells, not a Mary Wesley. What? Faraday, there's something wrong here. I'll say there's something wrong here. I just said that. Look, give me a couple of hours and let me find out what this is all about. Nothing doing. Oh, come on, Inspector. Be a sport. No. Why not? Aren't you the athletic type? Yeah, I'm the type who can't stand jokes like that. But I'll give you two hours. And if you haven't cleared yourself in that time, you'll get two years. Yes? Are you Leonard Wells? Yes. Your car was uh, stolen today, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Gave me quite a scare, too. Somebody cut me off. I thought it was a stick-up, so I ran. I'd like to talk to you about that. May I come in? Sure. Thanks. That was your car, Mr. Wells? It was. Do you have proof it was yours? Well, I bought it. Where? Harry's used cars. When? Yesterday. You have a bill of sale? Sure. Where is the bill of sale? Right here. Mm-hmm. Engine license number matches the car. I was driving all right. Why should they? Good question, Mr. Wells. Now I'm going out and look for an answer to match. Are you the owner of this car lot? Yeah, I'm Harry. Got the best used cars in town right here. I don't doubt it. Uh, can you give me a little information? Sure. I'd be glad to give you anything you want, mister. Did you sell a car to Leonard Wells today? Yeah, sure did. Fine car, too. One of the best I've had in a long time. A 1942 Buick convertible. He recommend me to you? Yes, in a way. Uh, where'd you get the car, Harry? I bought it, mister. A fellow by the name of Jack Brown. Banged it up at Hanley Bridge the night before last. I bought it from him. Jack Brown, huh? Thanks. Oh, think nothing of it, mister. Think nothing of it. Yes, this is my car, all right, Blackie. The one I cracked up at Hanley Bridge night before last. Lucky my wife and I weren't killed. They sure did a good job of fixing it up. Are you sure this is your car, Mr. Brown? It's got to be, hasn't it? Same make, the engine, the license numbers match the numbers in my bill of sale. 
What's it doing outside a police station? It was stolen. Stolen? You mean after I sold it to a fellow from Harry's used cars? I guess so. When did you sell it? About a half hour after I wrecked it. He offered me $50 for it, and I took it. Wish I hadn't sold that wreck now. I didn't know it'd be as easy to fix as this. I wish you hadn't sold it either, Bran. For whoever fixed this car of yours fixed me, too. Look, Blanky, you got ten minutes of your two hours to go. Now, why do you bother going to the morgue? Because, Faraday, I followed every other lead and got nowhere. Maybe seeing the body that was dumped out of the car you say I stole will do me some good. Why don't you give up? I wouldn't give you that much pleasure. Where's the body? On that table over there. Let's have a look at it. Okay. But you still have only ten minutes. No, no, nine minutes. Get out of that car stealing wrap. I know, I know. Here, I'll pull the sheet back. There. Mm-hmm. How long has it been dead? Since about six o'clock last night. Now will you give up? Later, Faraday. I still have nine... Hey, I've seen this fellow before. Eh? Mary and I talked to him yesterday in Bill Morton's garage. So what? So this. Jack Brown said his car was a total wreck after he crashed into Hanley Bridge. Yeah? But now his car's in fine shape. That means a lot of garage work was done on it, right? You mean the car we caught you driving was smashed up only night before last? Yes. And what I mean smashed... And the garage where it was repaired could have been Bill Morton's garage. And this fellow here could have been the mechanic who did the work on it. Could have been, could have been. What good is that? Faraday, I've got the whole thing. Somebody bought Jack Brown's wreck, stole Mary's car because they were both the same make and model, and switched the engine numbers. Sorry, Blackie. I thought of a possible switch in engine numbers, too. We have ways of telling if an engine number has been changed. These weren't. Oh. Hey, maybe the motor in Mary's car is the motor in the car that was wrecked. Say... That could be. The motors could have been transferred, and maybe it was this guy who made the switch. Well, maybe. But that doesn't tell us who killed him. His boss might have done it. Why? Even you should be able to figure that out. I can only find out where he was killed. I'll tell you one thing. Maybe he was a mechanic, but he wasn't killed in any garage. He had his street clothes on, and there wasn't a spot of grease on him anywhere. Not on his clothes, Faraday. But look at his hands. They're covered with grease. What does that prove? It proves he was killed while he was still at the garage. All auto mechanics wash their hands with special soap before leaving work. Hey, that's right, Blanky, they do. Somebody wanted to make it seem like he was killed outside and probably switched his overalls for an ordinary suit. Must have forgotten about the grease, though, eh? Well, the grease on this fellow's hands may keep a killer from slipping through our fingers. You Bill Morton? Yeah. I'm Boston Blackie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm, uh, doing a little investigating into the death of a mechanic who used to work here. You mean, Tom? Tom's dead? Very. Oh, say, that's too bad. I wondered why he didn't come to work today. He couldn't very well. You know much about him? No, he was a good worker. One of the best repairmen I ever had. Worked downstairs in a shop. Oh, Tom worked downstairs, huh? Hey. Uh, mind if I go down there and have a look around? Oh, come on. I'll take you down. Thanks. Watch your steps. They're kind of weak, some of them. Thank you. Kind of dark here when no one's working. Wait, I'll turn on a light. There. Say, some shop you have down here. We like it. We can do most anything to a car when we got a good mechanic like Tom was. Sure hate losing him. 
I saw Tom here yesterday. Where did you see him last? Down here. He went out that door there. That was the last I saw. Mm, too bad. Kind of messed up place down here. But this is a garage, you know. We don't often have visitors. Now, if we'd known you were coming. Forget it. Oh, say, here's a robe map somebody's thrown away. I need one of these. May I have it? I'll get you a brand new one upstairs. No, this is all right. Back, this is a new one, too. Let's see if it has the right territory inside. You planning on taking a trip? A friend of mine is. Uh-huh. Hmm. This is what I want. Everything I want. Good. Now, Mr. Morton. Yeah? Tom's body was dumped out of a car on a country road last night. Where were you then? Me? I was here all night. Tom's body was dumped out of a car about nine o'clock. You were here then, too? Yeah, I was here from about five o'clock in the afternoon until about five o'clock the next morning. One of my nightmen was off sick. Thanks, Mr. Morton. Thanks a lot. What are you doing pulling a gun on me? Accusing you of Tom's murder, that's all. You're crazy. I just told you I was here when Tom's body was dumped in the country. I can prove that. I know you were here, Mr. Morton, which means that somebody else dumped his body for you. But you killed him. What makes you think so? You told me so. I told you. Yes, when you admitted that you were here from five last night until five this morning. Because Tom was shot and killed in this garage at six o'clock last night. You remember to change his clothes after you shot him. But you forgot to wash his hands. Why, you... Too bad, Morton. If Tom's hands had been washed, maybe we'd never be able to guess that your hands weren't clean. Oh, what a lovely day for a drive in the country, Blackie. I'm surprised you wanted to go with me, Mary. Aren't you leaving on your trip tomorrow? I am. And it'll be such a relief to go in my own car. Oh, oh, by the way, you will get me a new road map like you did before, won't you? I certainly will not. Blackie. <laughs> I don't have to, Mary. I've already done it. Here. Oh, you. Thanks. When would you get it? A few hours ago. Where? In Bill Morton's garage. Darling, do you mean that you had time to catch Bill Morton, get him to confess, and to name that Harry person as his accomplice, and still get me a map? Versatile fellow, huh? To say the least. Speedy, that's me. Well, let's see if you had time to mark the route for me like you did last time. No, no, I didn't. Well, you did so. It's marked. You know when I marked that map, Mary? When? Last week. Last week? Oh, Blackie, the marked road map was in my car when it was stolen. I know. And it was in an ash can in Bill Morton's garage when I went to see him. That's the map you lost, Mary. Then that's how you knew my car had been in Bill's garage and that he was involved in this. Yes, and isn't it a bit of an irony, Mary, that when I marked out the route for your trip, I also marked the route for Bill Morton's trip, the last one he'll ever take.
stay tuned for A Day in the Life of Dennis Day, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a visit with Owen Patrick Eugene McNulty. But you'd know him better as Dennis Day. He was an American singer, radio, television, and film personality and comedian of Irish descent. Born and raised in Throg's Neck section of the Bronx, New York City, the second of five children born to Irish immigrants Patrick McNulty and Mary McNulty. His father was a factory electric power engineer. In 1939, Dennis sang on network radio with band leader Larry Clinton. Well, the Clinton broadcasts were aimed at the collegiate audiences and were often broadcast from a college campus. The 23-year-old won an audition, uh, that is, an audience poll as favorite vocalist. Day appeared for the first time on Jack Benny's radio show, October 8th of 1939, taking the place of another tenor, Kenny Baker. He remained associated with Benny's radio and television programs until Benny's death in 1974. He was introduced as a young 19-year-old naive boy singer, a character he kept through his whole career. Mary Livingston, Benny's wife, brought the singer to Benny's attention after hearing Day on the radio during a visit to New York City. She took a recording of Day's singing to Benny, who then went to New York to audition Day. The audition resulted in Day's role on the Benny program. And when Day got his own radio sitcom, he continued to play essentially the same character that he originated on Benny's program. However, for this series, Day lived in the fictional town of Weaverville. He stayed at a boarding house run by Clara Anderson, played by B. Bendercat. Day was engaged to their daughter, Mildred, played by Barbara Eiler. His character worked at Willoughby's Drugstore, where his boss, Mr. Willoughby, Uh, The show was sponsored by Colgate Palmolive. Vern Smith was the announcer, and the music provided by Bud Dant and the orchestra. Now, the format of the show would begin with a song by Dennis, followed by the first half of the plot, then a second song by Dennis in the middle of the episode, the rest of the plot, and then a third song by Day to finish up the episode. Tonight's episode is called New Gym, as in gymnasium. Gentlemen, Dennis Day. Dennis Day is brought to you by Colgate Dental Cream and Luster Cream Shampoo. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, dream girl hair. The Dennis Day Show with Barbara Eiler, B. Benaderet, Dink Trout, Charles Dant and the orchestra, and yours truly, Vern Smith, is written by Frank Galen and stars our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Here's Dennis to sing Taking Miss Mary to the Ball. Jog along, Mr. Dobbin, and keep this carriage a-bobbin'. We can't be late, for she has a date. We're taking Miss Mary to the ball. My, oh, my, but she's pretty, the sweetie, our grand. 
she looked when her pictures took were taking Miss Mary to the ball. Her best girlfriend is her boyfriend's sister. She's old enough now to call him mister. He's never been personal and he's never kissed her. But when she was away, he said he missed her. Jog along, Mr. Dobbin, and keep this carriage a bobbin. We can't be late, for it's her first date. We're taking Miss Mary, a very merry Mary. We're taking Miss Mary to the Success is a matter of psychology, a state of mind. Act like a man of affairs and you'll soon become a man of affairs. The words seemed to leap from the magazine as they caught the eye of our young hero, Dennis Day. Of course, so, so that's why success has eluded him all these years. Immediately, he put on his very best suit. Well, let's be truthful about that, his only suit. His nicest tie. His best suit of underwear. There, I won't give in. He took a bus downtown to the bank where he demanded to see the president himself. My goodness, what can he be up to? Our assets, did you say, Mr. Day? That's what I said. I want to know the assets of this bank. Why, according to our latest financial statement, they amount to $4 million. How about your liabilities? Naturally, they come to $4 million, too. Hmm, just barely keeping your head above water, huh? <laughs> May I know the object of these questions, Mr. Day? Sure, I'm going to open up a checking account. All us big shots have checking accounts, only I want to make sure i got a safe bank. I think you'll find us reliable in every way. Well, I gotta admit, you've been pretty, made a good, pretty good impression on me in the past. You sent me a calendar last Christmas, and so far it's been right every month. Well, thank you. Boy, and what pictures on it. April. <whistles> May. <whistles> June. <whistles> Gee, I can hardly wait for July. I have news for you, Mr. Day. It's a picture of a boy scout rubbing two sticks together. Oh, gosh, no more sailboats? No, no, they're obviously too inflammatory. Now, suppose we get down to business. How much were you planning to put into this checking account? Oh, everything, my entire fortune. I want to transfer it from my other bank. Well, really? Sure, here, you can count it yourself. The tail unscrews. The... Uh... A piggy bank, Mr. Dane? There's almost seven dollars in it, every cent I have, saved up by skipping breakfast and going without lunches. My boy, I like your spirit. And I'll be glad to take your account. Here's your checkbook. Gee, thanks. I'm a big shot at last. Only, you're sure that the bank won't fold up on me? Son, I have my own account here, and if I trust it, I'm sure you can. Why, I'll bet the cigar I'm smoking costs more than you've made all week. Oh, yeah? I wouldn't be too sure of that. How much does it cost? Well, maybe I was a little hasty. Fifty cents. Maybe I was a little hasty, too. You were. <laughs> Hi, 
Oh, hello, Mildred. What are you doing? Oh, my old high school needs a new gym. They sent letters to all us alumni asking for contributions, so I wrote them out a check. I've got a checking account now, you know. So you've told me about 30 times. How much did you... Good heavens. Pay to the order of Benjamin Franklin High School $50,000? Oh, that's just a practice check. I'm not sending them quite that much. Well, how much are you sending them? 75 cents. (laughs) See, here's the check all made out. Gee, sure was a thrill to write that other one, though. I'm still shaking from it. Well, who knows? Maybe someday you'll be able to afford that kind of contribution. I hope so. I sure think a lot of that school. Gee, this letter made me feel so sentimental I got out my old yearbook. Really? Oh, golly, let's see it. Here it is. That's my picture right there. See? Why, Dennis, I didn't know you wore braces on your teeth. Oh, those aren't braces. I used to like shooting spitballs, and that's where I hid the rubber bands. <laughs> oh. Who's the funny-looking girl next to you? Oh, that's Gertrude Boguglio. She was my first girlfriend. <laughs> With those buck teeth and that stringy hair. And she's even cross-eyed. How could you go with her? Well, I didn't know much then. I thought girls were supposed to look that way. <laughs> oh, I see. The bald-headed man in the front of the class is Professor Jensen, our science teacher. He used to like me. Said I had a great head for science. <laughs> really? Yeah. He was always trying to get me to leave it to them. <laughs> Gee, I sure used to laugh at his jokes. He was always kidding like that. Oh, you didn't flunk his course, did you, Dennis? Oh, no, but I was a little lucky. The fellow I sat behind decided to write all the answers on the front of his shirt the night before the final exam. Oh, he did? Yeah, but he made a mistake and wrote them on the back. I got 96. (laughs) Well, I shouldn't wonder. I'd have had 100 if he hadn't worn his pants so high. (laughs) Well, I'd better get busy filling out the questionnaire that goes along with the check. The questionnaire? Yeah. They want to find out just what the alumni are doing. Who's rich and who's famous and who's got a good job. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Hope they're also interested in who's flotsam and who's jetsam. (laughs) You'll be doing as well as any of them one of these days. Don't you worry. Well, I'll leave you... Oh, hi, Daddy. Good morning, children. I'll see you later, Dennis. Say, what are you so busy with there, Dennis? Oh, I'm filling out a questionnaire for my high school. Let's see. Present situation. Unemployed. Unemployed? Why put down a thing like that? Let them think you're a big success. Yeah? Sure. Put down something that sounds important. They won't check. Okay. Present position, wing commander of Honest John's Air Force. (laughs) Very good. Now it says married or single. I'll put down married. Successful men are always married. Now children. I'll put down ten. Ten children? Sure. Let them think I'm a big success at everything. Well, on second thought, I'd tear that questionnaire up and forget it. Yeah, I guess maybe you're right. There's no... Hello, Herbert. Dennis. Good morning, Peachy Pie. Was anything wrong, Mrs. Anderson? You sound kind of blue this morning. Is it any wonder? How would you feel if you'd been rejected as a member of the Weaverville Ladies Bridge and Sewing Club? Oh, I'm not built right for it anyway. (laughs) Well, I am, and I've been turned down. Those stuck-up women had the nerve to hint that I wasn't in the same social class with them. No, Poopsie. Yes. Oh, I could kill them. <laughs> oh, Herbert. I've got a frightful headache. Run down to the drugstore and get me some aspirin, would you? I shall fly, little oomph girl. <laughs> oh, would you drop my letter off on the way, Miss Randison? Just that check on the table. Never mind the questionnaire. All right. I'll put it in the envelope. And, Poopsie, don't you worry about those silly women saying that you're out of their social class. No, Mrs. Anderson. They've got a fine right to say that to you. They're just a bunch of gossipy, nosy old hens. And believe me, you're in the same class with them. (laughs) What? 
it came out wrong, but you know what I mean. Well, it looks like the new girl's gymnasium is still as far away as ever, Dean Hushkiss. Is that the last of the contribution? Well, just one or two more, I'm afraid. Here's one from a Dennis Day. Dennis Day. How much did he contribute last year? Uh, Fifty cents. Uh, and the year before? Uh, we sent him a dollar. <laughs> Let's see. Dennis Day. Yes, I had him in my history class. I'll never forget his final examination paper as long as I live. One question was, what did the United States gain from the Louisiana Purchase? His answer was, do what did he? Well, we may as well add his few pennies to the collection. Yes. Oh, a check. Hmm? Well, that's funny. Good heavens, look at this. Great Scott, $50,000. Why, it's impossible. I remember this day vividly. He was the only boy here who, after four years of high school, had just enough credits to get into junior high. <laughs> well, he's obviously a genius at making money. Thanks to him. We've got our girl's gym deed. Yes, we'll invite him here to dedicate it himself. Why, we'll even name it after it. Good. The Dennis Day Memorial Gymnasium. A permanent monument to matter over mine. We'll continue this day in the life of Dennis Day in just a moment. Meanwhile, here's Dennis to sing, I Went Down to Virginia. I went down to Virginia and no one sent for me. I went down to Virginia to see what I could see. Well, I found the horses fastest and the gals the best. The spirits of the state are guaranteed high test. So I stayed down in Virginia, cause that looked good to me. I went down to Virginia and didn't know a soul. No wonder folks befriend ya, their hearts are made of gold. Minded citizens are all so kind. They see to it you hook a fish on every line. So I stayed down in Virginia. That's how much I've been sold. So bless the day that brought me here. And bless the folks I love so dear. Well, brother, if you ever plan. You'll find the things are just exactly like I say And you'll stay down in Virginia Virginia USA (laughs) 
Well, it looks like having a checking account of his own was a little too much for Dennis. By mistake, a practice check he had written for $50,000 was sent to his high school as Dennis's contribution toward a new girl gymnasium. And the delighted school immediately named the gym after Dennis and invited him to come up and dedicate it. Which is a little puzzling to our young hero, since so far as he knows, the check he sent was for 75 cents. Golly, Dennis, I just can't get over it. Gosh, neither can I, Mildred. Imagine them calling it the Dennis Day Memorial Gymnasium. And all you sent them was 75 cents. Well, it can't be the money, Dennis. They must be honoring you because they consider you the average student. They never admitted it when I was there. (laughs) That must be it. And they're trying to show that money means nothing. It's just... Oh, Mother, have you heard the news, Dennis? I know. Your father just told me. I'd like to speak to Dennis alone for a moment, if you don't mind. Why, of course, Mother. I'll see you later, Dennis. Dennis? Yes, ma'am? You know that I've always loved you, don't you? No, ma'am. I I do, Dennis. I adore you. Oh, Mrs. Anderson, this is very embarrassing. I'm stuck on your daughter. This isn't a proposal. I just want you to know how I feel about you. You see, there's a little something you can do for me. Oh. Yes. (laughs) You see, those snooty women in the Weaverville Bridge Club I told you about this morning, well, they might not be quite so snooty if I had a gymnasium named after me. You mean you'd like it if they named it after you instead of me? Oh, it's such a little thing to ask, Dennis. But, Mrs. Anderson... Haven't I been like a mother to you, Dennis? Who cleans your room? Who washes your clothes? Who cooks your food? Your husband. (laughs) But who makes him? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, gee, if it means that much to you, Mrs. Anderson... Oh, you doll face. Oh, I only wish there was something I could do for you in return. Well, if you really mean that... Oh, I do, I do. Well, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time about the mattress on my bed. Oh, what about it? Could I have one? He's here right now in the ante room. Oh, my gracious, wait till I fix my tie. Uh, how does he look? Like a typical millionaire? Yes, one of those eccentric ones. He's wearing a Mickey Mouse sweatshirt. <laughs> you don't say. Well, show him right in. We mustn't keep him waiting. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, come right in, Mr. Day. Thank you, Professor. Oh, hello, Dean. My boy, sit down, my son. Do sit down. Uh, can I offer you a Corona? Oh, no, thanks. I never learned to type. <laughs> A cigar. Oh, no thanks. Well, well, this is just like old times back when you were in school, isn't it, Dennis? Here I am on one side of a desk and you on the other. Yeah, all we're missing are my mother and father pleading and crying in between. <laughs> oh, we've had our little difficulties, but I never doubted for a minute that you'd make good. I knew it from the excellent marks you used to get in, in geog... Uh, uh, math... Uh, history... Uh, Civics? Posture. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, posture, yes. Hey, Dennis, my son, we can't begin to thank you for your magnificent contribution to our gymnasium. Oh, gosh, it was nothing, Dean. Nothing? Your money is going to provide over 300 schoolgirls with the equipment they need so desperately. Oh, really? Gee, the price of bloomers must be way down. <laughs> Oh, 
very glad to see you taking it so lightly, my boy. I assure you, your donation is more than we teachers could make in ten years. Honest? You people need legislation even worse than I thought. <laughs> well, we just want you to know how grateful we are to you for your check. Then I wonder if you gentlemen wouldn't do a favor for me. Instead of calling it the Dennis Day Memorial Gymnasium, could it be named after my landlady, Mrs. Clara Anderson? Your landlady? Well, why not? Your wish is our command, my boy. The Clara Anderson Memorial Gymnasium it shall be. Gee, thanks, gentlemen. You'll never know what you've just done for my sacroiliac. Well, we're nearly ready for the ceremony, Dennis. Uh, Mrs. Anderson's out there on the stage now, waiting for it to begin. Well, this is going to be a big day in her life, all right. Uh, pardon me, Mr. Day? Yes? I'm a reporter on the school paper. Donald Harrington, 49. Really? Gee, you certainly don't look it. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's my class. Could you answer a few questions for our readers? We kids can learn a lot from a man like you. Yeah, I guess you got something there, all right. Well, go ahead, Sonny. I'll call you when we're ready, Dennis. Okay, Dean. Now then, Mr. Day, when did you enter and leave this school? Nine in the morning and three in the afternoon. <laughs> No, I... I mean, what was your senior year? Oh, 1939 to 1942. I see. Uh, do you think the high school boy should go to college? Oh, no, I think you should leave that to the college boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you believe in sex education in high schools, Mr. Day? Certainly not. I believe every boy and girl should know what sex they belong to before they come in here. Day, do my questions confuse you? Oh, no. Good. Then that leaves only one of us in a mess. <clears throat> but to continue, what do you think of necking in high school? Oh, I think it's more fun at home. <laughs> I put it down just like you said it. Now, I've got some general questions, too, Mr. Day, okay? Shoot. It's a thought, all right. <laughs> what do you think of labor? Well, on the whole, I'd rather not. But what I meant was, do you think labor should work longer hours? Oh, no, I think 60 minutes is as long as an hour should be. <laughs> and you can quote me on that. If I did, who'd believe me? I beg pardon? Uh, nothing. Well, thank you, Mr. Day. You've been most amazing. Oh, uh, that's all right. Anytime. All ready for the ceremony, Dennis. They're waiting for you on the stage. Come on. Okay, see you later, Sonny. Gee, look at all the people. What a crowd. Well, there's Mrs. Anderson on the rostrum. Oh, not at all. <coughs> yeah, members of the honored faculty, alumni, ladies and gentlemen. Today, through the generosity of one of our former students, we're about to see our dreams of a new gymnasium materialize. I'd like to present to you now the man who made the Clara Anderson Memorial Gymnasium possible. <laughs> yeah. A man... Uh... <laughs> when he attended our school was outstanding in such activities as, uh... And, uh... Well, he, uh... I give you Mr. Dennis Day. Dean Hotchkiss, members of the faculty, students, ladies and gentlemen, today my school has seen fit to bestow a great honor upon me. Why? Not because I have become rich or famous... Indeed, my contribution to this gymnasium was only 75 cents. But they... 
pardon me, Mr. Day. Would you say that again, please? Certainly. Today my school has seen fit to bestow... Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Down further, where the meat is. You mean the part about my giving 75 cents? You did say that, didn't you? Then what's this check of yours I hold in my hand for $50,000? Careful, Dean, you're dropping it. Oh, that's all right. It'll bounce right up again. <laughs> uh, this is your check, isn't it, Mr. Day? Oh, sure, but that's just a practice check. It's no good. You, you mean you don't have $50,000 in the bank? Oh, no, not quite that much. Have you 40000 No. 30000 No. 20000 We'll get there a lot quicker if you start with a buck and work up. <laughs> Well, there goes our gymnasium. But my cornerstone with Clara Anderson engraved on it. You mean you're not going to use it now? Oh, we can't afford to waste anything now. We'll use it for the smaller building we plan to build around in the back. <laughs> oh, no, Dean, don't do that. Well, why not? What kind of a building is it? For Mrs. Anderson. I want to know what kind of a building it is. Mrs. Anderson, don't get excited. Just think how proud you'll be when they burn the first load of garbage in the Clary Anderson Memorial incinerator. Orchestra. Here's Dennis to sing The Loveliness of You. The loveliness of you is so lovely, so thrilling, so new. I'm filled with Burning and burning 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is our last show of the present season, and I just want to take this opportunity to thank you all for allowing me to come into your homes each Wednesday night. We're going to take a short vacation now and return in the first week of September, and we hope that you'll be listening. Good night, and have a swell summer, everybody. See you in eight weeks. Dennis Day returns to the air again the first week in September. Meanwhile, may we remind you to use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, dream girl hair. And don't miss the August issue of Movie Star Parade Magazine for a picture story of an episode in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Vern Smith speaking. Good night. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Challenge of the Yukon, followed by Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.